Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome back to episode 335 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And today we are going back to our season on sexual skills. We have recorded a number of different episodes this year per your request on different sexual skills. And we have some leftover interviews that I just want to make sure that you have access to it. So during next month, you're going to hear more about different fun things that you can experiment with in the bedroom, whether it's a shower sex or quickie, or it's about role playing, tons of exciting things coming up. So today we're going to turn up the heat and exploring the sensual art of shower sex. Have you ever wondered about its benefit, drawbacks, or techniques, or how to make it work for diverse preferences and situations? Well, you are in for a treat. Joining us in the steamy episode is Ness Cooper, a seasoned sex and relationship expert with over a decade of experience. She's a pro at helping individuals and couples and even those in polyamorous relationship find their groove in intimacy and pleasure. Trained both in UK and internationally, Ness brings a wealth of knowledge and insight to our discussion today. But there is more to Ness than meets the eye. She is a sex education maven, a kink positive coach, a sex toy reviewer, and author with an upcoming paper on BDSM and disabilities. She studied with the Kinsey Institute of Human Sexuality, has expertise in pelvic floor biomechanics and even mental health safeguarding. So buckle up because this is going to be one enlightening ride. Today, we're going to dive into why people might prefer shower sex to beach sex, the sensory delights of shower sex, and how to set boundaries. We'll also talk about sexual integration, health considerations, beginner-friendly positions, and even the importance of aftercare for vulva owners and neurodivergent individuals. So get ready for an episode that's sure to make a splash. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm so excited to welcome Ness Cooper on our show today. Ness, welcome to our show. Hey, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited too because it's like sexology and a podcast is amazing. Well, I am very excited about our conversation. I know we're talking about shower sex and I know it's interestingly the favorite type of experience for many of my listeners. Recently, we did this poll and we asked about beach, having sex on beach or having sex on shower. And many people, I think 70% of our listeners said they prefer shower. So let's talk about some of the benefits and drawbacks of shower sex. Shower sex is just amazing because you've got all the different sensations in that. But I think it's also sometimes one of the only moments when some individuals or couples get alone time. It's like... Often, like it, when you're in the shower with your partner or, or your play partner and that, um, if you've got like other commitments, like family members and that, they will leave you alone. So it's like you've got that bit going on. 
You've got the temperature sensations, which is amazing. The vibrations from the water hitting certain areas. And you've also got like to mix it up on positions as well, because it, you're not lying down on a bed or similar. So you're having to explore standing or kneeling and that. So there's quite a lot that you could do that you wouldn't do in a bedroom. Very exciting stuff. So you can experiment with different types of sensation, even kind of like the elemental steam, all of that, that can things, make things more exciting. What could be some of the drawbacks? So you can sometimes get a bit carried away with the temperature. Some, sometimes you could go from one extreme to the other very quickly, depending on your shower. So cold to hot and end up getting burnt. And like the genitals are very sensitive to that as well. So you've got to keep that in mind. I always recommend people to do like a patch test, kind of put their hands under the water and that to get a rough idea and that before they put it anywhere intimate. You could also slip over and that. And it, it sounds quite like, it kind of sounds unsexy when you say and use a shower mat, but it, it does like prevent you from falling over. So it's something to consider. I often find a lot of people that I've worked with over the years who have told me about their shower sex adventures and that, that they find that the enclosed area can be a bit like clumsy. They could be more clumsy and end up getting knocks and bruises a bit more often. Also, it's like, depending on the shower, if it's your own shower, you might know how clean it is as well. But if it's not your own shower, like if it's a popular thing to do in hotels, like have shower sex, you don't, even though you, you would hope that it's clean and that you don't know how clean the shower head is actually in things. And some people have said they've had infections and stuff as well. Right. It, it requires some planning and some level of intentionality when when it comes to shower sex you're right that it could be i mean like sometimes i know we're going to talk about sexual positions but sometimes when i see it like how people are kind of like doing all of these fancy positions and porn or in kind of like see me movies i i get worried for them <laughs> that you're gonna slip and something happens and i think that's what people imagine and think about shower sex and when they're not kind of like where where they're not able to have the similar kind of experience that that can be that can be discouraging at times but as you said like you can cultivate an environment that would work for you so tell us about how we can negotiate and establish boundaries when it's called to shower sex i know even some of my clients they don't like the certain kind of like it touches in the shower so there's some people that don't like to have intercourse inside shower so what are some of the boundaries that people have to think about when it comes to shower sex so i think depending on your shower it there is like the element of who gets in the shower first as well, because depending if you're climbing in and stuff like that. And I know that sounds a bit silly, but if you talk about that beforehand, you can get a better idea on what sex position you might be able to do, because if you're being penetrated or you're receiving penetration and that, that, that might become a bit confusing if like one of you's like in first who needs to be in second or something. So there's that. Talk about like temperature sensations and like some people don't like it too hot anyway. Some people like a colder shower and that and see if you can come to a compromise. Lubricant as well. So if you want to explore penetrative sex in a shower, you're going to want a silicon lubricant probably because water-based lubricant will just wash off in that. So that'll make that more comfortable. You could also talk about adding in things like sex toys and fun things like that. So many are waterproof now and 
I, I recommend people only pick like a couple at most because it's like, ah, there's too many to <laughs> go off at the same time. And that. that's like vibrating things of a shower, wet and stuff and slipperiness. And that is like, could be like a bit hazardous. Well, tell me about this exercise. There's just so many fun exercises that people can add to their shower experiences. Tell me what are some of the ones that you recommend? So I rather like heated vibrators and there's quite a few brands that are waterproof and they've got handles as well. And I think they're really good for like shower and aquatic play and stuff because you're not going to drop them. But also I find my sex toys like too cold and too shocking, even in a shower, it, it can like turn you off. So if you've got like a heated sex toy and you put it on like the heat set say, beforehand, it kind of helps you stay in the mood and helps you reach orgasm and have fun. It leads to easier penetration and things like that. Other ones are glass and metal sex toys and they can adjust to the temperature of the shower and you can put it underneath the shower water beforehand to warm them up. And they can also be nice to like glide across your partner's body onto their nipples and like into various erogenous zones and other things. So they're good. You can get things that aren't sex toys as well. There needs to be a brand that did these, but they, they don't any, I, I don't know what's happened to them, but it's to help you with your sex positions and that you can get suction handrails. And again, may sound unsexy, but if shower sex is like your thing and your, you, how you like enjoy sexual pleasure and that the most and things, it might be worth investing in those because they can help you experiment on new sex positions and that that you wouldn't be able to do without. Some people do enjoy also little they're kind of like bondage little stools that are metal with kind of fabric to allow you to sit or kneel on them comfortably and some of those because they've got like little rubber feet in there as well they can be put in a shower as well to mix up your sex positions make it easier for you to penetrate a partner during certain positions in a shower so they're quite good Tell us about positions. What are some of the first fun positions that people can explore in, in the shower? I think like a spooning position while standing is like the nice introduction kind of position that I'd recommend most people give a go. It can also lead to like a nice deep G-spot stimulation, access to the clitoris. Or if your partner is into anal sex and they've got a prostate, it can also be good for prostate stimulation and things. It's also quite intimate and it can be quite hot and steamy having the water trickle down your partner's neck and you're breathing against their neck as well. And it, it can be very hot. Well, tell me about the setting up the environment. So there are some smells that can be arousing. Some, I have some clients that they feel like, you know, they, they feel awkward. One person being under the shower head, the other person is like off and cold. What kind of a preparation we have to in mind, but you want to have a kind of like a fun experience? So when you're like introducing anything like this into like a love ritual kind of pattern and that, it's like you, you do like explore your other senses as well. And that's brilliant. I, I quite like recommending these little fizzers that you put into the bottom of the shower. And some of them can have like aphrodisiac style kind of scents and like there's rose and cinnamon ones and things like that. And some people really find them quite arousing. So they, they can be helpful. You might want to explore different textures and like it's quite intimate bathing each other as well. So 
in a shower is like not just about having sex or play and like sex toys and that, but you could like explore different like sponges and like hand towels and different things that you'd normally use by yourself to get clean, but do it in an erotic way and kind of a caring way and stuff. It could be quite nice. That is fantastic. And I love the idea of adding glues and twines. There are so many things that you can explore in the shower. And I know we recently had this episode on Quickie and how shower can be a perfect place for it. And I know many of my listeners, they are parents and like they have children and that would be a great place for them to have some privacy as well. Do you have any foreplay tips so people can kind of like start things and kind of moving to that direction if they want to kind of like start this kind of experience with their partner? So shower sex doesn't have to start in the shower or shower play doesn't have to start in shower. You could like, depending on what your setup is, like do some teasing like on the bed first. You could even do something. Like if you enjoy play that's a bit messier as well, you could do that beforehand and then go and do the more other like sensual erotic kind of things that a shower would bring afterwards as well. I often also like recommending like massage beforehand and then finishing off in the shower because there's a lot of massage oils that are great for foreplay, but you can't use on like the vulva and it just causes irritation. So going into the shower after that hot, erotic, slow, sensual kind of build up and foreplay and then taking things further in the shower is quite nice for some people. Well, that sounds like it's such a great idea, kind of like starting with teasing, building anticipation. I know many people do that for playing the shower and move to the bed. And some people are kind of like do the opposite. And I know for many of my clients, because they feel that they, they, they have a fear of kind of being kind of for hygiene, they have worried about anxiety about those things that also can give them an additional assurance. So tell us about, I know some people are kind of like curious about particular health or hygiene concern. What are some of the things that people have to keep in mind when they have sex in shower? So when you're having sex in a shower, like making sure the shower head is like cleaned regularly. I think we should be doing this anyway, every now and again, but we often forget. But they can get grimy and it can lead to like infections and like yeast infections, UTIs and stuff like that. Just be like a bit unpleasant. Also, I, I think with a hygiene element, sometimes we could be a bit too clean when it comes to thinking of sex and hygiene and overdo it on soap and intimate areas. And then that can like cause discomfort, UTIs in some people and like rashes even. So if you're using like soaps and stuff to try and counteract any hygiene concerns, just make sure you don't put too much down or any, depending on the soap, on intimate areas such as the vulvar and that. That is so important for vulva owners to know. We all hear about this kind of like this different marketing stuff about your vulva need to smell like jasmine or like all of these crazy things which need people to feel insecure and they over clean, as you mentioned, or they douche and it just changes their internal pH. And that, that also can cause, as you mentioned, like all sorts of it can lead to infection. So I think that that's also important to keep in mind about kind of like our uh, kind of like if you're interested in anal sex, like in a transformative experiences, like you mentioned, anything that we need to keep in mind about that if you're doing it in the shower. So I know it's quite popular to explore with the shower head and anal sex for many people. And it's again, get the temperature right. 
as well. And I'd recommend you buy a specific attachment because you can get anal or dildo attachments for shower heads and that and means you can clean it better. But you don't want it to be too cold and you don't want it to be too hot if you are exploring in that way. And also it would probably be a good idea to like invest in silicon lubricant as well to make anything a lot easier, like insertion wise. Again, do foreplay. It is good to relax the muscles. Activating keels and that are very important and can sometimes make penetration anally a lot easier. And I think when you're in a shower, the last thing you want to do is tensing up muscles such as the glutes, the legs and that because you're probably more likely to fall over. And we don't want that. I agree with you. I think you brought up such a great point about preparation. Because sometimes going back to porn, people think like anal sex is like if you're having a vaginal penetration is something that happens like you, where you just go for it, right? Although in va- even vaginal penetration, you have to have some preparation and foreplay ideally. But with anal sex, my understanding is that you have to prep with like using different tools and strategies. Some people use their fingers, so it's not something that you can force in shower. But even when you have the preparation, I hear that you're saying that it requires more intentionality if you want to have anal sex in shower. Yeah, and I think it's like so that's become a bit lost actually over the past few years because like now I've been like doing this as a career for over 10 years now and I've noticed particularly for people who identify as men who have anal sex, we don't talk as much about foreplay for it as we used to and we're getting more people report like issues of like discomfort, pain and possibly like injuries as well and I, I think it's just important to remember that foreplay is it's okay to have foreplay it's important even if you are just exploring anal sex it's good right i think for for everyone i think like foreplay give people the opportunity for building psychological arousal physiological arousal whether you're a whole wall owner or the penis owner and sometimes as you said like people they don't put an enough kind of like enough thoughts into that so it, it, the, and that can kind of take away from the opportunity any kind of toys like we can we can take to the shower? Anyone's any type of the toys would be better for there. I know you would talk a little bit about it, but anything we have to be mindful of if we're bringing our sex back to the shower. Yeah, so you can like if you're gonna explore anal sex in the shower. I'm gonna go back to anal for a moment. Douching and douches are quite a common one to take most people find them quite a good way to warm up as well also you've just got to remember about like how easy it is for you to hold a particular toy and if you struggle to hold a toy in place like in the bedroom by yourself or with a partner or it's got too many buttons or the buttons are really hard to press and that it might not be even if it says it's waterproof the best option to take it to the shower because you're just gonna like not be able to use it to the full extent so we have to, even if it's a, a waterproof, there needs to be some intentionality when it comes to it. Anything that we have to know if like, if, pe- if we're starting the kind of like foreplay massaging outside the bedroom for, then we're, if we're doing shower sex, anything you recommend for aftercare for individuals? So with like aftercare, I just finished several years researching sexual aftercare. And I think it's very important even after showers 
and shower play and things because it's like because you've got all the sensations going on it can be quite like whoa this is a lot and it feels great that you can sometimes get like a drop afterwards particularly if you're going from one environment that's a different temperature and the textures are changing suddenly and that it's like important to like take your moments afterwards and just like bring yourself back down or help bring your partner down or your partner helps you so you can like tackle the everyday life again and take away some some of that good buzzing still. And with aftercare, it's so different for each individual and that it could be like needing to after shower sex because it can feel a bit more like you're using muscles that you wouldn't normally use during sexual activity and that you, you may find you're a bit achy and that some people may want to take prescribed medications and that to reduce that pain and some people may want to go for a nap before they enter back into the real world and then there's some people who want to go running it's like it's so variable but it's all about communicating with your play partner about what is needed and the emotions behind those needs and that to really find what works as your aftercare and what works for your aftercare in the bedroom may be different to your aftercare needs after shower sex. You know, it's so awesome that you did research on aftercare. I feel like as clinicians, we don't talk about it enough. People don't know about it enough. How did you get interested in doing research in that? So I noticed during the, it was like the start of the pandemic, when I needed a project. <laughs> <laughs> to, it wasn't really spoken about, even though everyone was asking questions about it. It's like, so I conducted surveys and interviews and I'm putting it all together now, finalizing it. It's quite good. It's something that I feel after doing this research, just like foreplay, some people argue should be a sex in the sexual response cycle for like orgasm. I think aftercare should be to an extent for some individuals. It's very important and it can make how you perceive, perceive what you've just done sexually as like a good experience or a bad experience, depending on how you kind of come to the ending of your se sexual erotic play at that moment. I think that's very good that there now there are more conversations about it. And you're right, it's important for people to be intentional about it. Sometimes it's interestingly, I hear more from vulva owner, and it could be from my clients, that they feel that the sudden shift it just creates kind of some negativity in them. Like, you know, we're in this hot and heavy moment. And then now there's no aftercare that they feel like they, at times, they kind of feel this sadness because of how the context shifts quickly. Yeah, I did find that I did get more responses from vulva owners and very few responses from non-binary individuals and men, cisgendered men. I think it, it, it's important for a lot of people. Like when I was like looking into possible research that could be linked into aftercare, there, there wasn't any research out there, but there was like talking about like cuddling after casual encounters and things like that. And it was quite interesting to find that it was like quite universal, the need after sex, like to even cuddle in a casual encounter. It, it didn't really matter so much, but. I do wonder sometimes if it's partly a social kind of social psychology kind of play, like vulva owners are probably taught more to talk about their emotions and needs and how to care for them. Whereas 
the individuals with penises or cisgendered men, they're told to hide that away. And I, I do think that probably impacts it. And hopefully one day it'll change where we'll all be able to discuss it and it'll be fine. But sadly, don't see that happening anytime soon. Well, I'm glad that you are now, like you're bringing more information and content about this. And I think when, even when you have more of information and language about it, it helps people to be more intentional about about these different elements of different parts of the puzzle when it comes to having satisfying sexual experiences. Anything else that we haven't talked about, about shower sex that you think would be important for people to know? I did find something recently that was occurring because I've been asked a lot of support, a lot of sort of neurodivergent individuals. And some individuals said they like the sensations from shower sex because they find other sensations outside of the shower difficult. But I had a few people comment how they liked the sound of the water. Like it was almost like, like a white noise, like it helps block out sensory overwhelm on a noise front. And I thought that was quite fascinating, if I'm honest. That is so interesting. Tell us more about that. What, what do you mean by that? So. Individuals who are neurodivergent with autism or ADHD and that sometimes find like sounds a bit much. And I, I think it's white noise and brown noise, which are these kind of like stream kind of crackly noises and things that some find incredibly calming and they're able to think through thought processes a lot better. And some of those people I've been speaking to have said that they're able to switch off that like overwhelm that's coming in and preventing them from having like sexual pleasure and they're able to like relax into sexual pleasure more. Again, this is like something I probably should research (laughs) another few years of research, but yeah, it's quite fascinating. That is fascinating. The reason I ask more about it because I have clients that they talk about this, like even in my office, I have white noise and they love, they say like, we love it. You can pay attention, pay attention more when there's this white noise that's part of this session. So I can imagine that that, that can help with kind of people calming down. But what about shower? Do you feel like for neurodivergent people kind of like this, stimulation might be too much or it could be calming? I think for some, it would be calming and then others not calming. It's difficult because it's like neurodivergence isn't like linear. It's very variable depending on the individual and also the situation the individual's in. So I think it's worth giving a go and then just taking moments to reflect on how that experience was afterwards because you you never know. You might find something that's really good. Yeah, I think it's, it's helpful to kind of experiment with it, but also having this shared language with your partner to kind of like it's like in a way safe for so you'll be able to pause the activity feels uncomfortable. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for coming on our show. If our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Okay, so you can find me at nestcooper.co.uk and I run a private practice online for private therapy practice and focus on sexuality. So there we go. Oh, and at the Lady Ness for Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. Excellent. Excellent. So we'll leave the link on those, uh, to those places. And thank you so much for coming on this show and being so generous with the information and hopefully we'll have you in the future. Cool. Thank you. And there you have it, a complete guide to making shower sex a sizzling, safe, and satisfying experience. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your partner, your friends, and let us know if you have any additional tips. 
But before we wrap up, I've got a little something for you. Are you looking to add a dash of spice to your bedroom routine? If you are, make sure you are signing up for our free checklist. It's packed with nine exciting ideas to rev up your foreplay game tonight. Just follow the link below and get ready to turn the heat up a notch or two. Happy exploring, folks, and I'll see you guys next week right here. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.